Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. You know, even in dire straits, he's right there. When the apostles were right there in the middle of the storm, he was right there in the ship. They actually had to wake him up for him to care. You know why he didn't care? Because he already said, let's go over to the other side. And that was the word, and that never changed. doesn't matter the storms. It doesn't matter the obstacles. It doesn't matter the resistance. He said, let's go over to the other side. When he said to his disciples, why, do you, why, uh, 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 he's, he, uh, he said, oh, ye of little faith, you know, why did you doubt? And when he said, oh, ye of little faith, he didn't mean faith to stand against the storm. He meant faith to believe in what he said. You know, it's amazing how God says stuff to us, but then things don't go the way we think they ought to go. And we get all shook and we get all nervous and all rack our brains over stuff. And yet the word of God stands. Hallelujah. 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 And even though they, they came across a hurricane force wind on the lake, Jesus was sound asleep because he trusted. Father said, we're going to the other side. We're done. There's nothing that can stop us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes the problem is you want to stop and deal with the resistance instead of just dealing with what God said. See, faith in God, faith in what God says doesn't care what the resistance does. Doesn't care about the obstacles. God said, therefore. Amen. Hallelujah. You know that bumper sticker says, God said it, I, and I believe it, that settles it? Yeah. Well, actually, it's God said it, that settles it. Now, whether you believe it or not is up to you. And if you believe it, it'll settle it in your life. But you have to what? Believe it. Despite obstacles, resistance, and everything else that wants to come against you, you believe what God said, period. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But that was just so good. Glory to God. That stirred me up. I don't know about you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go over to the third epistle of John, chapter 1. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Third, Epistle of John, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in truth. Now, this was our foundation scripture about four or five weeks ago. And we've been kind of working off of that for the last five weeks. And we know that in all respects, he says that you would prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Well, that's God's will for us. You know, now some people say, well, you know, that's not really God's will for, for us because actually John wrote that to a specific person and not really to you. 
Well, then that means the whole book of Ephesians is thrown out the door because that was written to the church of Ephesus and not you. Or the church of Colossae, the book of Colossians was written to them, but not to you. You know, I mean, we can go down that ridiculous road. It's in the Bible and it's for you. And anything that's in the word of God, there's no partiality and it's for anyone that will believe it. Isn't that right? Amen. So don't go down that logical road. You'll run into a dead end and it says there's no outlet and you have no way out. You will always run yourself into a corner unless you stick with the word of God. Hallelujah. That you would prosper and be in good health. God wants you to prosper. It's his will for you to prosper. Now, don't mix up prosperity with millionaire. Don't mix that up. Just because God wants you to be prosperous doesn't mean he wants you to be a millionaire. You know, in some countries you can have a cow, but two cows would be prosperous. You know, the first time we went over to do an ICFM ministers convention in Thailand, at the end of the service, the people would come up and they would have like a, a, a bill. It's a five baht bill, I think it was. I think it was five baht. Was it five baht? No, 20 baht bill. It was a 20 baht bill. Now, 20 baht is $1 American money. All right, and they would take that 20 baht bill and they'd fold it up like a rose or like a bird or something and they'd give it to you and that's what they had to give you. And we were so honored to receive that from them that they would, that they would do something like that. Well, we wound up doing... Over the course of about six years or seven years, we did four ICFM ministers conventions. And at the end of the last convention, they actually came up and gave us, how much was it? About $3,500 in American money. That's prosperity. See, they were, now, we were, of course, honored to receive that. But the greatest part of it was we're seeing them prosper. Amen. Glory to God. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So prosperity means different things in different places, different parts of the world, and even different sections of the country and different people. And sometimes it has to do with what the call of God is on your life. Whether you're sitting in the room, whether you're on live stream, we're glad that you all are there. And thank you that you joined in together with us today. And prosperity is for everyone that will believe. But notice what he says. I pray that in all respects. So he's not just talking about money. When you hear the word prosperity and you think money, you are short-sighted. He wants you to be prosperous in all respects. Amen. You know, I remember when we had no money and we had a lousy marriage. I do remember that. I don't enjoy thinking about it, but I remember it. You know, we're on the verge of losing the family. I was on the verge of losing my kids, losing everything. Things were not good. And I needed prosperity in all respects. What good is it to prosper financially and everything else is falling to pieces? God wants you to prosper in everything. Isn't that right? But what's our part in all of that? To walk in truth. Walk in truth. Now, we know when Jesus spoke to the Father in John chapter 17, he said, thy word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So, therefore, truth is him and his word. So, to walk in the truth is to walk in the word of God. Isn't that right? And to walk in a truthful life, we know the word truth in the, in the original Greek text. It means that your inner uh, uh, 
motives and agendas and everything lines up with your outward actions. You remember Psalm 23, or Proverbs 23, rather. He says, there is a man that says, come, eat, and drink, but his heart is not with you. See, that's not truthful because he's telling you, come, eat, and drink, but on the inside, he doesn't want to have anything to do with you. So that's not a truthful person. But a truthful person is when the inside lines up with the outside. Isn't that right? Amen. No hidden agendas, no ulterior motives. The Shunammite woman, when she built that little uh, house or that little room and furnished it for the prophet Elijah, remember that? Well, she did it without hidden agenda and hidden motives. She did it without pretense. She did it. It was honest, sincere. She wanted to be a blessing. Isn't that right? And we talked about how it wasn't just the person, but it was the anointing that Elisha carried, the anointing of God that she honored. Amen. Hallelujah. And she was not expecting anything in return, but she was blessed tremendously in return. If you ever read that account in, I think it's um, 2 Kings chapter 4. I think that's where it's at. But it's a wonderful account, and God just honored her giving. Amen. So go to Mark chapter 12, and let's read verses 41 through 44. Mark 12, 41 through 44. And he's talking about Jesus here. And he sat down opposite the treasury, and he began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich were putting in large amounts. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounted to a cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly, undoubtedly, undeniably, and irrevocably, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they put in, they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. So Jesus was sitting there and he's watching how they were giving. Well, at the same time, you can't help notice what they were giving. Now, when he looked at the woman, he saw that her giving aligned with what was in her heart. In her heart was to honor and to be, bless, to be a blessing and to do it unnoticed. You know, unnoticed goes a long way. What you do in secret, God will repay you openly. Isn't that right? Well, the others were not doing it that way. They didn't have the right heart attitude. They weren't there just to bless. And they certainly wanted to be noticed because that's how they were. Isn't that right? You know, I knew a man some years ago, back in the 80s, and um, he would tithe off of his business once a year, but he would never put the giving into the offering. He would always walk up to the pastor and put it in his hand and say, this is my tithe off of my business for the whole year. Now, why did he do that? Well, you can't assume. Maybe he didn't want other people to know what he was giving. Maybe he just wanted a personal thank you from the pastor. We don't know. But only the man knew for sure if his giving was honest and sincere. And it was free of ulterior motives and agenda. See, if you're doing something to get a thank you, you have an ulterior motive. You give Christmas gifts, don't you? Do you want people to come behind that gift and go, oh, thank you for this. I so appreciate it. So... Now, so kind, so nice of you to do. If that's what you want, well, then you got your reward in full. 
Or is your motive in giving just to bless? Have you ever given something to somebody and they never acknowledged it? And what did you think? You remember the time when you thought, I can't believe they didn't say anything. They should have come back and said something. Well, that's an ulterior motive. Are you with me? This woman had no ulterior motive. Okay? Jesus watched how they were giving, but he also sees what they were giving. Because he's looking to see if it agrees, if the giving agrees with what's in your heart. Now, wouldn't it be odd if we received an offering today and I walked around with the ushers and I started looking at what you're giving and all that other stuff? Wouldn't, wouldn't that seem odd to you? But that's what Jesus did. He sat there and he watched all their giving. And guess what? He's still doing it. Because the book of Revelation talks about how he walks right through the gut of the church and observes for himself. He, does not get, he doesn't get a, a report from an angel. He walks through the church himself and watches what goes on. Amen. Amen. That will really straighten up your honor when it comes into the sanctuary. He's right there watching. Amen. So he was looking to see the reverence with which people were giving. Were they giving in faith or were they just casually just throwing money into the treasury? And then what were they giving? Were they really obeying God with their money? Jesus is watching all of it. He watched it then. He watches it today. This is why the Bible says God is not mocked. He knows. Jesus is looking with a scrutinizing look and with the intent to examine. Jesus looks at our heart attitude. Now, some people say, well, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter what you give. Well, yes, it does, because it has to line up with what's in your heart. I'm just going to give you an example. There was one year at an ICFM convention, and I had it in my heart to give $25,000, and I backed it off to twenty. dollars I might as well have thrown that 20000 away. Are you with me? Why? Because I did something, but it wasn't what was in my heart. Therefore, it didn't line up. Amen. Jesus was so impressed with what this woman gave and the way she gave it. He looked at the enormity of her faith and the reverence with which she put her offering into that treasury. So he, she's putting it into the treasury, and he's, he gets up, and he goes like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he makes a statement. He's been watching all day long how these people are putting in, and he sees the two copper coins that are in her hand, and he says, look at this woman here. She's put in more than all of these other people put in. Now, just imagine you being the rich person in that room and imagine the shock that would have been on your face. She put in two coins. We're putting in all these amounts of money and you're saying she put in more than we put in. Well, what does it say in verse 43? Is it 43? This poor, this poor widow, the word poor in the Greek here 
There's different words for poor. So not one English word poor covers everything. But this particular Greek word for poor means to be deeply destitute, completely lacks resources, and she's embarrassingly poor. Embarrassingly poor. This woman had some pride and some dignity about herself, and she crouched in embarrassment over her poverty. You know, when I left New York back in the late 60s, I was making like $8.50 an hour back then. And I was a journeyman in the bookbinders union, and I was taken home as a single person, 19 years old, from $4.50 to $6.50 a week. Now, back then, that's a lot of money. But when I came, I got out of the military, came down here, married, and had a child. Starting pay was $2.50 an hour. So in order to survive, I needed to go get some food stamps. Now, back in that day, that was back in the 70s. They'd have the coupon book. And you'd have to tear the coupon book out at the cash register. You're tearing out coupons to cover the amount of food you bought. And that was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. But nobody wants anybody to be embarrassed anymore. So we give them stuff that looks like everything else. And they just very, uh, just very, what is the word? Fragrant, not fragrant. Frivously. Anyway, they just toss it around without any embarrassment because they're being taken care of and it's no longer an embarrassment to be poor. And that's why people stay poor. And that's why people stay on government assistance. Listen, there's nothing wrong with government assistance. If you need it, get it. But that is not your answer. That is not the place to stay and want to stay. Are you with me? So back when we were on food stamps, it was very embarrassing to have food stamps. Well, then my boss, after about several months, now you have to understand, I came out of the unions in New York, okay? And after working for this man for several months, he comes up to me and goes, you've done such a great job. I'm putting you in for a 10 cent raise. Wow. What? I mean, I was in shock. Ten cent raise. I was like, should I throw myself on the ground and say, oh, thank you, kind sir. I mean, what? So in the honesty of my heart, even though I wasn't saved at the time, I had some honesty in me. And I went to the food stamp people and told them, well, you know, I got a 10 cent raise. It's thinking, what the big deal? They said, oh, you make too much money now for food stamps. We're cutting you off. They cut my food stamps off because I got a 10 cent raise. I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, I was no longer embarrassed to use food stamps anymore. I didn't have any. So this woman here, deeply destitute, completely lacks resources and is embarrassingly poor. But despite her destitute condition, she still honored God. And her giving was valued by God more than the abundance of the rich. Amen. It is possible to give without loving. And the example of the rich in this account proves that. 
They were simply giving to fulfill a duty or an obligation. You could say it was like a cane offering, right? They were not using their faith, nor were they taking time to bring God the best of what they had. They were just going to throw something in there. Well, I got this. This is extra. So here, you just, I'll just give this to God. I don't really need it. Huh? But that wasn't what the poor widow did. She gave everything she had to the Lord and demonstrated that her heart was in the kingdom. See, what does God want? He don't want your money. What does he want? He wants your heart. Now, I'm not saying, and don't even say that I said this, but I am not saying that you need to give everything you've got to God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to give all of your heart to God. Amen. And whatever gets attached to that heart and what's ever in your heart is what you need to do. Remember where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You want to know where your heart is? Follow your money. Amen. Now, we don't know from Scripture. I mean, this is the end of the account. So we don't know from Scripture really what happened to this poor woman. But we do know, as we've seen over the last several weeks, that God is generous with the generous. And when we think generous, a lot of times we think amounts, money. You know, well, it's got to be big amounts to be generous. And that's not true because we found out that generosity is a heart condition. It's not in the amount. It's in the heart condition. We know that God especially blesses sacrificial giving. And we've also seen that God responds to what we bring into his house. He opens the windows of heaven over our lives. Isn't that right? It may be that she was giving in faith. It may be she was believing for the windows of heaven to open up. I mean, that is an Old Testament concept, so it's nothing new to this woman. Isn't that right? And this is what happens when we give correctly with the right attitude and when we give the amount God has asked us to give. You know, sometimes people say, well, I give, I give, I give, but I don't get any results. There's reasons for that. And we may get into that in the weeks ahead. But there are reasons for that. It is never a problem on God's side. Never. You understand this? Never a problem on God's side. Neither is it that God desires one person to prosper or another person. No, no. God's desire is that you prosper in all respects and be in good health, even as, just as, and in direct proportion to your soul prospering. Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Don't be deceived. Don't let anybody lead you astray on this subject. God is not mocked. He has set in order and in place a spiritual truth that can never be violated and can never be altered. Whatever you sow. It's the law of sowing and reaping. But what does your sowing have to be connected to? Your heart. Your sowing has to be connected to your heart. Okay? In order for it to be sincere and honest. Right? The example, 25,000 seems like a generous offering. 
Well, I backed it down to 20. Well, 20 seems like a generous offering, but it wasn't. It was not a generous offering. It was a stingy offering. It was an offering that was given sparingly. Are you with me? It's not about the amount. It's the heart condition. If I would have followed my heart and did what I needed to do. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that you've got to give these big amounts in order to follow your heart. I remember the day when, a, when the, my heart was to give $10. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And that was pushing it. Yeah. You know, I thought prosperity was having enough money to send $5 to the hospital every three months so that you don't get put on a collection agency's list. Hello. Yeah. Well, that was 42 years ago. Things ought to change. Things ought to change. Things ought to change. You ought to get a hold of the word. You say if it's the same as it was 42 years ago and things haven't changed, you're the problem. I mean, I hate to be blunt, but it's not God's problem. He has set laws in motion that you can either operate them or think you know better. And you don't. You're like Job where God says, come on, come on, let's talk together. Come on, where were you when I laid the foundations? Come on, tell me, tell me, tell me what I should have done. Go ahead. That's not a conversation you want to be in. You're going to lose that conversation. Just own up to it. And get it together. Amen. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. The Phillips translation says, a man's harvest in life depends entirely on what he sows. Paul wanted to make sure that these believers understood that whatever they gave would be returned to them. Whether they were giving much or whether they were giving little, it did not matter because it's heart condition. It's not about the amount, right? It's spiritual law. It applies to everything, not just money. If we think again, if we think sowing and reaping and we think money, you're short-sighted. What about Sowing love. What about giving help to somebody else? Well, you know, I'm busy. I never have help to give to anybody. And you never seem to get any. Well, I just don't seem to have any friends. Well, you're not showing yourself friendly. That's what the Bible says. Show yourself friendly. You know, when I got saved, the first thing the Spirit of God told me was get away from all all, all, A-L-L, all of your friends. So I started coming to church. I knew nobody. So there would be a group of two or three guys standing there, and I'd come over, and I'd just stand there with them. They're not talking to me. They're talking amongst each other. I'm just going to wait and see if they should acknowledge me. Somebody says, hello, I'll say hello back. And they'll say, what's your name? And I'll tell them. And they'll tell me their name. Nice to meet you. Well, that's pretty much the end of the conversation. You got to go find another group of people. And I would just go around. And because I had no more friends, God told me, get rid of them. So I have to make new friends. And since I've started coming to church, it seemed like a good place to have friends. 
because the places I got friends from before was not good. So I had to show myself friendly if I'm going to have a friend. You don't have friends, quit your whining. Get friendly. Well, I don't like people. Get over it. No man's an island. You'll never make it on your own. Well, I've come this far. Yeah, and look at how you come. All right, come on, come on. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> how about forgiveness? How about sowing forgiveness to people? Instead of having resentment and bitterness towards people. The more you sow forgiveness, the more forgiveness you're going to get. Jesus said, if you don't forgive your brother, then neither will my Father in heaven forgive you. Come on, you want forgiveness? How many in here needs forgiveness? Thank you for the honest hands. Yes, you need forgiveness. So what are you going to sow? Forgiveness towards others. Now listen, if somebody, let's just say this for an example, a contractor, an auto mechanic, whoever it might be, they ripped you off big time. You could forgive them for it. Don't bring your car back there. So forgiving somebody don't mean you step back into the pile again. You understand that they're ripping you off. They might be crooks. I was in the automotive business. I knew a lot of crooks in town. I would never send anybody to them. Amen. Forgiveness. What about mercy? How many of us need mercy? You want mercy? You're going to have to sow mercy. Isn't that right? So it doesn't matter whatever it is. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. Because verse 8 says, He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So we can either sow to the flesh or we can sow to the Spirit. And the tense that it's used in is continuous. This is talking about habitual sowing over and over and over. This is not a one-time event. You know, you hear people like sometimes they say this. Well, you know, I gave that one time. Nothing happened. Well, whoop de doo You're the rock of Gibraltar. It's a continual sowing and sowing and sowing. And therefore, if you continually sow, you will continually reap. Okay? So I'm sowing finances. I'm sowing forgiveness. I'm sowing love. I'm sowing mercy. I'm sowing, oh, yes, long-suffering. How many of you need people to long suffer with you? Yeah, we all people suffer. I'm sure, okay, I'm sure there is more suffering that goes on towards us than we know about. Not everybody tells us, but you know people just put up with our stuff, don't they? Well, you want to reap a harvest of long suffering? You're going to have to sow some long suffering. Amen. So again, it's a lifestyle of sowing. A drop produces a drop, and a flood brings in a flood. A lifestyle of sowing brings in a lifestyle of reaping. See, your measure, Luke 6.38, by your measure of standard of giving, it will be given back to you and more besides. The measure of standard of giving determines the measure of standard of reaping. If I give a drop, I'll return, I'll get a drop back. If I give a flood, I'll get a flood back. 
If I give love, I'll get love back. I may not get forgiveness, but I'll get love because that's what I've been sowing. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one. I don't know about you, but I just love the word of God. It has freed me from my own personal opinions. <laughs> because before getting saved, I was a very opinionated person. Both me and my wife were very opinionated. And a lot of times, our opinions didn't agree. So there was a lot of this that went on because we were both very opinionated. But I have no more opinions. Praise God. No more opinions. Just what the Word of God says. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 8.1, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Now, Paul is not speaking of the church of Corinth, but he's speaking of the churches in the region of Macedonia, which included the church of Philippi, in which he wrote the book of Philippians. Corinth was a prosperous city. And many believers had ample amounts of money. They did not suffer financially like other believers did. Of course, if you understood the trade that went on in Corinth, you would understand why. Corinth announced that they were going to give a huge sacrificial gift towards the Apostle Paul's ministry and his collection for the poor in the church of Jerusalem. And Paul shared news of this to the other churches that he went to and told them about this great sacrificial gift that the church of Corinth was going to give. But after some time, and after some time, the word of the Corinthians' generosity began to spread throughout all of the first century church. But there was just one problem, and that was that the Corinthians forgot they made the promise, and they never gave. So now Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, to remind them to follow through with their promise. So this is scriptural. Because I went to a meeting back in the 80s. And in the 80s, I'm sitting in the meeting next to my wife. And in the meeting, they said, who wants to pledge $1,000? I'm like, oh, I can't even count to 1000 Oh, I'm like, that is not me. So then they said, who wants to pledge $500? I'm like, $500. The next thing I know, I get this elbow. Uh, uh, get up. Get up. I'm like, I don't want to get up. Get up. <sighs> okay. Do I get up and pledge it, or do I go home with bruised ribs? <laughs> All right. I'll get up. So I got up. And, of course, they saw that. And then they ask you to fill out an envelope and all that with your pledge on it. They, in fact, they give you the envelope, fill this out with your pledge amount and all this other stuff. Okay, so we did that. Well, I didn't have $500 any more than I had $1,000. Any more than I had $200. I didn't have anything. So we go home from the meeting. I've got my pledge envelope with me. And by my garage door, I used to have a rack. And it was all my bills. You know, what was due this week, next week, and the week after. Loaded with stuff. So I took that pledge and put it in the back. Figuring, well, when I get to it and I got some money left over, I'll send in my pledge. 
So just like the Corinthians, I made a pledge, but I wasn't keeping it until a letter comes in the mail and says, remember your pledge. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to forget it. They said, remember your pledge, $500. And I'm thinking, I stood up, I said it, so I need to do it. I have no money, so I'm going to have to start faithing it. And I started believing God, because the Bible says that God will supply seed to the sower. So I started believing God for $500 to come in so that I could sow it and keep the pledge, because I gave my word to that. And... Um, the bills stayed exactly the same, but the $500 came in for the pledge. You say, well, pastor, why didn't you use the $500 for your bills? Because it was for the pledge. You don't use for one thing what you are believing for in another area. If I'm believing God, if I'm believing God for $200, or let's say I'm believing God for $40 for a new pair of shoes. I need a new pair of shoes. I'm believing 40, God for $40 for that new pair of shoes. You might be believing God for $10 and get them in goodwill, whatever it might be. But when the money comes in for that, you don't go spend it on something else. Otherwise, God can't trust you anymore. I'll give you an example. Back in March of 2003, I needed $15,000 by the end of the month. And I'm like, I don't know about where this money's going to come from. And we go on a cruise with ICFN. Now, this could be a religious tester right here. But we go on a cruise with ICFM, and it's a seven-day cruise. So by the seventh day, I've had it. I'm bored as could be. So I'm looking at their newspaper thing of events. And, you know, I was brought up as a kid in the Catholic Church. So what stood out to me? Bingo. <laughs> Let's go play some bingo. Okay, we go play some bingo. And nobody won the jackpot all week long. And this, was a, this night was the last night of the cruise, and it was full card, winner takes all. Well, I wound up getting the full card. Nobody else won except me, and I got $11,111. I was like, glory to Jesus. <laughs> I said, I know where that's going. Of course, we tithe off of it and did all that, and then used the money and, and some other money that came in. I had the 15000 at the end of March. But by the time the end of March came, I needed another 13000 So now the question is, do I use this money for the 13000 Do I use this money for the 15000 What do I do with it? Well, the answer's simple. What were you believing for? I was believing for this 15000 for this particular thing, so now I have to start believing God for the next 13000 and not mix them up and use them in wrong, wrong way. You understand what I'm saying? So when that reminder came in and said, here's your, remember your pledge. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul's doing with the church of Corinth. Remember what you said you were going to give. Okay. So. We had to believe God for that money to come in to take care of that pledge. Amen. And when I say we believe God, I don't mean, okay, I'm just quote unquote, I'm trusting God. I'm looking to God. Oh, I need you, God. Oh, no, I'm saying get in the word of God. Get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mouth. Get it in your life. Get it in your decisions. Get in that word of God. Amen. 
Because only the Word of God is the power of God. And only the Word of God will bring the results that you need in your heart, in your mouth, in your heart, in your mouth, in your heart, in your mouth. How do you know when the Word of God in your heart, in your mouth is faith? Because when the trash shows up in your life, it doesn't detour you. You push on through the obstacle based on the Word of God in your heart. The same Word. You don't need a new Word. you got the same Word. Everybody's always looking for a new Word. You don't need a new Word. Dear God, there's enough power in the genealogies to fill up everything you ever need in life. You got a Word already. Why do you think the garbage has come around? You've already got a Word. The, word, the garbage comes to steal the Word. You're out there trying to find a new word that you have no faith in. And no wonder it's not working. The word in your heart, the word in your heart, the word in your heart. Producing words in your mouth, producing decisions in your life, producing choices you need to make. It's the word of God. It's a light to your path and a lamp to your feet. Amen. Verse 2. It says that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. So this is an example of the, um, those in the region of Macedonia who didn't just intend to give, but they did give. So he's talking about the Macedonians. He's not talking about Corinth. And Paul describes the Macedonians as being in their deep poverty. Again, the word poverty, being crushed by an embarrassing deep level of poverty and completely lacking in resources. Well, I know what that's like. I had a pledge card for $500 and I had no resources. And I was in poverty, just trying to get by. That was the reality of the conditions of Macedonia which included the church of Philippi. They were under great stress and intense persecution. And many of them in the region of Macedonia had lost their jobs. And with the loss of jobs, lost their income, many lost their homes. They were homeless. They were really suffering because of their faith in Jesus. You should have learned that lesson during the COVID lockdown. Well, what are we going to do? Well, what are we going to do? Well, we can't do this. We can't do What, did God fall off the throne? They're ready to do it again. You better be ready for them. Many people during the lockdown lost their job. What about the vaccine nonsense? Well, you either get vaccinated or you lose your job. What's the difference? Macedonians lost their job, lost their income. But they knew how to sow. Are you with me? This is how you apply the word of God into your current life events. If you're reading the word. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit. If that Bible sits on your nightstand all week long and you never open it, you'll never have an answer. 
Only the Word of God is your end. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. He leads you in the truth. The truth is the Word of God. He can't lead you in it if you don't have time for it. I'm just too busy. Then just give up. Because you have no answers outside of the Word of God except the arm of the flesh. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the older you get, the weaker it is. The less it can do. And your answers are slipping away quickly. Your only hope is what the Word of God says. In your heart, in your heart, in your heart, in your heart. Hallelujah. So even though the Macedonians had lost so much, their heart was still in the kingdom. Because the kingdom is where their treasure was. Are you with me? And it says that with their deep poverty, they overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. They overflowed. That's like the river spilling over its banks. Just like during uh, Idalia, you know, the Peace River came over the, uh, 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 what do you call it, the seawalls over at Gilcrest Park, and they flooded into downtown Punta Gorda, right? Well, that's what overflow is about. They overflowed. The wealth of liberality describes the fabulous riches and bountiful generosity. Well, that just doesn't seem to make sense to our logical mind. What do you mean fabulous riches and bountiful generosity? They've lost their jobs. They've lost their income. They've lost their homes. They haven't lost their life. And neither do they lose their place in Jesus. When Jesus wrote to the churches of Revelation, to the church of Smyrna, he said about their being under great persecution and deep poverty, he says, but I say you're rich. But then to the Laodicean church, he said, you say you're rich and you're wealthy and you have no need of anything. But I tell you, you're, you are weak, you're poor, you're wretched, you're miserable. See, Jesus is looking at the inside. He's not looking at what's in your hand. He's looking at the inside. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So even though these believers here had lost their jobs, their homes, and everything, they pulled together what resources they did have in order to give a significant offering to the Apostle Paul and his ministry and giving in to the poor saints of Jerusalem. Why? Because their heart was in the kingdom. Their heart was in the kingdom. They were unbelievably generous. When you consider their deep poverty and affliction, their generosity was unbelievable. Therefore, Paul stated that they overflowed in the wealth of liberality. Verse 3. It says, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. The Macedonians gave what they could according to their ability, but their hearts were so much in the kingdom of God that they were willing to give even beyond that. What they gave was supernatural. When we gave that $500 pledge that we, that we had made, it was supernatural. We had no money. We had no resources. We had no ability to have that. Well, why was their giving supernatural? 
because it says right there they were they were giving according to ability they gave of their own accord okay so they were willing to give even beyond what they could because they were willing within themselves they chose voluntarily to give of their own accord they were not coerced they wanted so much to see the kingdom of god advance that they pulled together their resources to give the biggest offering they could according to their ability but their heart condition is what brought them beyond their ability amen see that heart condition that heart condition was sowing are you with me verse 4 He says, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. So these people in Macedonia are begging Paul to receive their offering. Paul knew their condition. He knew their poverty. He knew their persecution. And he probably said, oh, just keep the finances. You need it for your families. You need to take care of your lives and all. But they begged Paul to take the money. Now, number one, have you ever begged anybody to take your money? Have you ever pleaded your desire that uh, you wanted to participate? And say, oh, please let me participate. Let me sow my money. No. no. Number two, you ever known a minister to refuse an offering? <laughs> no, I don't think so. And Paul wasn't even on TV. I mean, have you ever come across a minister that said, no, I can't. And you got to beg him to take your money. Nope. Quite an unusual situation here. And what were the Macedonians doing? They were sowing out of their deficit. They were sowing out of their need. Sounds like the woman with the, with the two copper coins. They were doing what they needed to do to open the windows of heaven over their lives and change their situations. Paul taught about sowing and reaping, didn't he? He taught it as a lifestyle. And guess what? They actually believed it. This is amazing. They believed it. And they didn't just sit there and go, yes, Paul, we believe that. No, they lived it. Living it is proof of what you believe. I have no greater joy than this than to hear of my children not knowing the truth, but walking in the truth. Living it. That's the proof of what you know. What you live is proof of what you know. If you don't live it, you don't know it. Are you with me? Amen. Verse 5. It says, And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So they first gave themselves to the Lord. Well, you gave yourself to the Lord, didn't you, a number of years ago? When Jesus is Lord of your life, it means you've given him everything you have. And whatever you have is at his disposal for whatever he asks you to do. That's what Lord means. Are you with me? So he asks and we purpose in our heart to obey. See, you have to purpose in your heart to obey God. You know, you can come to church with an offering and then maybe before the offering, we take a minute 
And you can ask the Lord, is this what you want me to give? Or is there something else you'd want me to give? Or you can just go, well, this is what I brought and this is what I'm giving. You understand what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying about giving yourself to the Lord and purpose to hear from him what it is you need to do. Or do you just habitually give whatever you give? You understand? You understand the difference? I'm not saying anything bad about any giving. I'm just talking about purposing in your heart to hear from God and do what he asks you to do. Because if he's Lord, it means he's I've declared Jesus is my Lord. That means he's Lord over my finances. He's Lord over my marriage. He's Lord over any relationships we have. He's the Lord over my job. He's Lord over my business. He's Lord of my salary. He's Lord of my giving. He's Lord in every area of my life. What would you have me to do? Rather than, well, this is all I got and this is all I can do. Well, there you go, arm of the flesh. And you notice it's getting weaker. They gave themselves to the Lord, and the Lord instructed them on what to give and how to give. And what churches was this in Macedonia? The church of Philippi, where Jesus said, or Paul said to them, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, everybody wants to claim that, but not everybody wants to do that. You know, there's a lot of promises in the Word of God that we want on our own conditions and within our own conveniences, and we think that these things are going to just work. Don't be like the kids in children's church at a young age. They think, well, God will just bless everybody. God just blesses everybody. You need to get old. I hope you don't think like that. And don't teach that to your kids. You teach your children obedience, responsibility, and discipline. To walk in the things of the word of God and the results of the word of God is you will be blessed. You don't just get automatically blessed. Nobody's gotten automatically blessed. The word of God don't even say everybody gets automatically blessed. The word of God says whosoever believes and believing is proved in your actions. Amen. Glory to God. So when the, when the Lord said to the church of Philippi, supply all your needs according to his own riches and, and glory in Christ Jesus, he's responding to their generous giving. God is generous with the generous. Heart condition of generosity. Prove me, he said. You know, only in the area of finances does God say, go ahead and prove me. Prove me. Everything else he goes, come on, come on, let's sit down and talk about this. Prove your case. No, but when it comes to finances, he says, prove me. Bring in the tithe, the offering into the storehouse. Go ahead and prove me now in this. See if I won't open the windows of heaven for you. See if I won't rebuke the devourer for your sake. See if the vine won't cast its grace before it's time. Come on, prove me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, when I was in the military, especially in boot camp, and the old D.I. and the Smokey the Bear hats breathing right down your face, you don't usually say anything. You just... You just stand there, you know. You don't say nothing. Unless he makes a mistake and goes, so what do you think? (laughs) 
Amen. And then you need to answer carefully. <laughs> the Macedonians were faithful even when they didn't have much. There's a lot of people that are faithful when they don't have much. But then when they start to get, faithfulness starts to wane. Because like in the parable of the sower, it says there's one that heard the word and it was among the thorns. And the desire for other things, the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world starts to enter in and choke the word. You know, seed can produce in your life. But with the producing of things, if you do it by the flesh, you're going to start to take on the care of those things. You're going to start getting deceived by those things. You're going to start worrying about those things. And then you're going to say, I need to give all my time into those things and I don't have the time for the things of God anymore. Because you're too wrapped up in stuff. And you're really taking the path of Lucifer, who because of the abundance of his stuff, thought he could be better than God. That stuff you got, you wouldn't have it if it wasn't for God. So start living a grateful life for what you have. Stay faithful to God and keep God first place in your life. And don't let the stuff overtake you. Amen. Hallelujah. The Macedonians were faithful even when they didn't have much. They knew that giving would turn their situation around. Martin Luther said these powerful words. I have held many things in my hand and lost them all. But whatever I placed in God's hand, I still possess. Amen. See, you need to invest in eternal things because there's eternal value on those things. And as we dedicate ourselves to being faithful in our giving day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, we'll continue to grow in the grace of giving. You know, have you ever, have you ever sat in, in a service, in a meeting, in a convention and thought, oh, I wish I could give more? Give what you got and believe God. Believe right. God. Give what you got and believe God. And increase will continue to come along. You, and God will remember those words that you said, I wish I could give more. Yes. Well, giving more comes by getting more. And when you get more, you've got to be careful what you do with it. Amen. 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 And when I say giving more... I'm not saying you need to give into the church and all that. I'm, there's so many people that are hurting. There's so many people that need help. You are blessed of God to be a blessing to others. Isn't that right? So we're not talking about church offerings, and please don't get that idea. That's not at all what we're talking about. We're talking about being a blessing as God would have you to be a blessing and touch other people's lives. Amen. Just think about it. The more you get, just think how much you could tip somebody. Probably somebody who don't deserve it. Somebody that just did a lousy service, really bad, but bless God, we're going to bless them anyway. They might be having a bad day, and they need Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the more that you do that, the more you'll have grace to be able to give more. Our obedience to give opens the door for God to pour out his blessings on us. And when we begin to worship God with our finances, we acquire the right to claim the promise. My God supplies all my needs yeah. according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Well, lift your hands to the Lord. Let's just bless the Lord right now. We bless you, Lord. We glorify you. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. All praise and glory and honor to you alone, O Lord. Hallelujah to our God. Come on, stand up. Stand up with me and let's just honor him. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Holy One, glorious King. You are the living one, the everlasting Lord. You're the mighty God. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You're the God of salvation. You're the God uh, 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 of, of my health. You're the God of my wealth. You're the God that's first place in my life. You are the God in whom I purpose to hear from, to be directed by, to live listen to you. I thank you, Lord God, for all that you are and all that you do. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful are you, Jesus. There is none like you. Glorious King, Holy One, Magnificent One. You're the King of glory. You're the King of victory. You're the King of conquering, overcoming wealth and overcoming victory over our enemies. You defeated all of our foes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and for your grace, for your kindness, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, for paying our price, bearing away our sin so that we could be free, come into a place of liberty, and be called children of the Most High God. Oh, we thank you for it. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, as we come before you with our giving today, our tithes, our offerings, Lord, I thank you, Father, that according to your word, you said that you open up the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing till there's not room enough to receive it. You rebuke the devourer for our sake, that it will not destroy the fruits of our ground. The vine in the field will not cast its grace before its time. Father, I thank you that the things that we set our hand to will increase. I thank you that opportunities that come our way will not be spoiled or stolen or destroyed. But Father, when you're setting up opportunities for us and we know it will not be slack, will not be of a slack hand, but we'll be disciplined. We'll be quick to respond and we will be there for those opportunities. And Father, I thank you. By our giving and our seed sowing, Father, you're setting up our tomorrows. Thank you, Lord, that the life and the seed that we sow today will produce the harvest that we need tomorrow. We thank you for it and bless you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Get to be seated. Praise you, Jesus. You need an envelope for cash or credit card giving. It's on the seat back in front of you. Uh, if you're making out a check, just make it out to new life. Thank you for joining us today on live stream, podcast, wherever you may be online, wherever you might be in the um, county, in the state, in the nation, or in the world. Thanks so much for joining together. It's always an honor and a privilege to share the Word of God. And I believe that the Word of God went into your heart today and opened up some, gave you some illumination and showed you some truth that you can take hold of and press into. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and you can click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything at all that we can ever pray with you about, please let us know. Our prayer team is always ready to stand with you and stand by you 
and believe God for your greatest needs to be met. God loves you. God cares about you. Jesus died for you. And in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Hallelujah.